Tonight is El Muerto del Gato, and we are putting a pussycat to rest because we are uh, dead. Cat funeral! Cat funeral! Oh, yeah, we are Cat Funeral. That's our teammate. Oh, that is our teammate. Uh, sorry, Jonathan. Let me take over this part. All right. Uh, to get things started tonight, uh, can I get a suggestion of something you can buy for forty dollars? So that wild group you just heard from was actually performing at the Improv Shop, a local place where you can go see improv theater here in St. Louis. I'm Willis Ryder-Arnold. I'm Nancy Fowler, and this is Cut and Paste, St. Louis Public Radio's arts and culture podcast. So we brought in Kevin McKernan, who's the founder of the Improv Shop, and Melanie Penn and Becca Brooks, and we asked them a bunch of questions. We also put them on the spot and said, hey, can you do a show for us? So we'll see what happens. It was really fun to actually see them perform and kind of do improv improvisationally. Yeah, like double improv. (laughs) (laughs) It was so much fun. We also try and get at what's kind of the craft of improv, what's going on in their minds while they're performing, and what's kind of at stake when they're up in front of a crowd. We started out asking Kevin exactly what improv is and later talked with others about what it's not. I think we fancy ourselves as something off-branch of theater actors, actresses. We just don't happen to use a script. And then nerdier, it breaks off usually into two branches, short-form improvisation, which is thought of as like whose line is anyway, and games. And we do a little bit of that. And then what we specialize in is long-form improvisation, which is longer scenes without games and usually bigger teams of people um, exploring something improvisationally based off one suggestion for about 30 minutes. What does that mean? I mean, exploring something improvisationally. I guess maybe the easiest way to think about it is the audience yells out a suggestion, a team of 10 or so people take it, and that word in some way inspires them to do scenes that they create in the moment that haven't been planned. Almost sounds like a sporting event. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it can can be. I mean, I think there's, I think what we like probably about sports and what we like about improv is that We don't know what's going to happen, right? Your team may win or lose, and the scenes may win or lose. Uh, They may be good or they may be not so good. And so there's something, I think, there in terms of, like, being on the edge of your seat that you're watching something live happen in the moment. Do you feel like there's really something kind of, like, at stake or at risk with each performance? Sure, your ego, Uh, right? (laughs) Oh, Uh, just that? Yeah, no, I think think more so. I mean, yeah, that that probably to some degree, but – but simply connect. I think, yeah, I think you feel like, did I connect with my fellow players, you know, in the same way that you would with a sport? Did I connect? With, was I there when they passed it to me? Uh, did I goof up? Did I let my players down by going for a joke when I should have been invested in reality? Or uh, did I play as a group player? Or was I trying to pull too much for myself? So, yeah, I think those things are at stake always. I think it's always a roller coaster. You know, you have one great show, just like you, you know, win a game and you think you're unstoppable, and then next show is a total mess. Yeah, so, Becca, it's not really about being funny, is what I understand. No. A lot of the times you're not. <laughs> At least <laughs> that's why how I feel. why do people want to see it? <laughs> um, because it can be really beautiful. Like, if you're sitting there and you're just so engaged in what is happening on the stage, and even if it's something where it's, like, 
you know, one of the first shows I ever saw at the improv shop was just a couple of guys on stage. And it was just like, it was like the saddest thing ever. But I was like on the edge of my seat. Yeah. What was it about? I think it was about like a death or something like that. Like two brothers or something. And, you know, there was like a, there was a death. And it was really funny because the guys behind me, they're like, I thought this was supposed to be funny. (laughs) And I was just like, yeah. Oh, it was really good. It was really nice. <laughs> so even if you're having a sad scene, it's still really fun. Do you agree with that, Melanie, that it's actually fun even if you're doing kind of a depressing scene? Oh, definitely. Because it's relatable. So improv, when you boil it down, is the art of being human on stage. And it often comes out being funny naturally when someone can say, oh, I get that. Oh, I've been there. Oh, I know how that feels oh, I'm, I'm empathizing or sympathizing with this character and what they're going through. And that is inherently funny because being a human is inherently funny. So, Melanie, it's like that spark of recognition that yes. you see, you know, on the stage. And so it's just kind of a relief yes. almost to see it kind of funny. Yes. And I think people, I think that's one of the things that audience members may be coming in expecting, like the guy sitting behind Becca, expecting comedy as comedy like a Chevy Chase movie, uh, and maybe being disappointed or maybe being surprised that, uh, oh, this isn't what I thought I wanted, but I got something that I liked and didn't think I would like out of this. So basically everything that you just described, Melanie, is like actually a really intimate moment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So like, how, <laughs> I'm curious, how then did you get that many people to sign up to be a part of Improv Shop and actually start it? There was something about Craigslist. Yeah. Yeah. So I just put an ad. I just there wasn't long form improv happening too much here. So I just put an ad up on Craigslist and was like, I have a bunch of experience. If I could get some people together, I will teach you what I know. And Melanie was in that first class, and I I pulled on people that knew people doing improv at WashU and some connections that I had here, and we got about twenty people together and. They took classes for a year from me, and then it just grew rather organically. So given the fact that all three of you are really excited about this art form, we were wondering if you might be able to do a little bit of improv for us today in the studio. But sure. to do sure. that, we kind of need to know. So we're like the audience, uh-huh. yeah, sure. I guess. Uh-huh. And then what do we do? <laughs> so what we would typically do, so if we're three people and we're a three-person team, then what we probably would do is ask for a suggestion to get us started. We okay. probably won't use it a ton. We, I mean, we'll use it to prove to you that it's improvised, and then we'll just build a reality around that. Okay, like a scene, like a relationship. Yeah, yeah like maybe a, a relationship. So something like, you know, I think it might be good if you did something like it's uh, two parents and a daughter that shows up late. Sure. Well... Peggy, I'm, I'm worried about Carla. It's now 33 minutes. It's 9.33. I, I don't want to be overbearing, though. I don't either. Last time we texted was a disaster. Last time we texted, she checked it while she was driving. Yeah. Yeah. Got pulled over. Yeah. You had to bail her out. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And you don't have to tell me twice. Well, I'll tell you a third time. No, don't. You had to bail her out. I know I did. I I was humiliated, Mark. It's humiliating to have your daughter go to prison for a texting violation. What are we going to do with her? I don't know. Hi, Mom. Oh, Christ. Oh, well. You're here. Hello. We're going to be cool. We're all all basically adults. We have been. Don't. 
I I am an adult. Okay. Oh my uh, God! Are you freaking out again? No, we're not. We're not freaking out. No, we're not freaking out. We're not freaking out. We are not. We are. You cool. are freaking no, out. No, we are not. I am actually we, oh, freaking God. out. Mom, okay, I am not. I am one cool dude. You That's know not me. the face you make when you're cool. Nope. Your father has to be the leg of this family. That's right. I'm the leg. The one leg. The single. He's the single. He's leg. the single I, leg. You, I know. Yeah. And you two are my beautiful arms. <laughs> Right now, we're not freaking out, but you are thirty-four minutes. Oh, I thought I was just five. I'm sorry. Okay, no. Thirty-four is a lot. I'm okay. Stop. But it's not out. like that I, much. I, I'm, I'm Mama. freaking out. <sighs> Peggy, this makes it worse. When you freak out, it makes it worse. <laughs> it uh, makes it me want to stay right. out later. Okay. You're right. You're See? right. It does. This is my fault. No. Let's, this is my fault. Let's not blame the arms. Why not? She's the left arm. It's the okay. weaker one. Well, you're the one that's late. <laughs> She's right. I'm the I'm the weaker one. No, you're not the weaker one. I don't want you to grow up like me. Look at me. I'm trembling she is in trem- my robe. You don't want to tremble in a robe. But at the same time, you need to learn to respect your folks, right? Okay. So what so what gives? Why why the 30 minutes late? It was a boy, wasn't it? It was a boy. I Just knew like it was last a boy. time. That's Okay, and that's we want you to have experiences in the romance area. Your father wants you to have experiences in the romance and area. And I am having experiences, a lot of experiences. A lot? We oh. had even more experiences this time than the last time. Okay, well, let's talk about this tomorrow. Okay, because your mother is already shaking, and if you tell her more about your experiences, she may throw up. <laughs> And scene. I'm wondering how we're going to call that. Okay. Are they gonna, oh, do they know to call scene? Right. I really like the out on that. Like, and we'll talk about that tomorrow. <laughs> That's right. Like, and cut to the yeah. break. No. Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow. When you're doing that, are there like organizing principles that you're yeah. trying to adhere to? Or like how is that yeah, structured in your minds? Yeah. So that's a lot of what we teach in the classes. Yeah. Is basically thinking about, well, how does a scene go well versus how does it not go well? What are, where, where, are the, where are the areas where you can try to ensure that it goes well? So like one thing is, is a principle called yes and, which people hear yes about all the and. time. Yeah, so Melanie has it tattooed on her wrist there. Really? What does uh, that mean? Yeah, so yes and means that you agree to whatever your scene partner says and then immediately add on to something. So... Right. We immediately took your suggestion, both yesed it, both, right, she's late, 30 minutes. I was like, oh, man, she's 30 minutes late. And then Melanie immediately was like, yes, that is true. She is 30 minutes late. So you and know I'm arguing going to about add, the premise. Yeah, right. Yes, exactly. Yes, it is 30 minutes, and I'm worried about it. And then it builds from there. It's just kind of like I'll let them do, you know, sort of establish a, a base reality Mm -hmm. and then just kind of walk in and just let Melanie be the mom who is really worried and really freaking out and the dad who is freaking out but says he's not so and just give them something to worry about yeah there were a couple moments where you like jumped in with the perfect I dare you to respond to this (laughs) almost (laughs) right so one thing maybe is that like the game a little bit is like mom's really freaking out, right? So that's a thing that we heightened throughout the scene, which is we want to get mom more and more freaked out. So what she did is she came in, realized mom is freaking out, and then her job 
as an improviser is to make mom freak out even more, to, to pour gasoline on that fire. So she comes in and she's, of course, talking about how she's had many experiences. Right, uh, right. Uh, and that makes mom freak out. So when we talk about uh, a scene having a shape and a game and a pattern to it, it means it's about something. It doesn't have to be just a smattering stream of consciousness about how many random, hilarious bits can we throw out and hope that they stick to the wall. But it's grounded in something that you decided to commit to at the top. And in that way, your scene's about something. And we believe that simplicity is is best. Simplicity is key. Just boiling it down to a, a core relationship. And in this case, yeah, freaking out. <laughs> Have you ever had a suggestion that brings up nothing or it creates this really awkward <laughs> moment on stage where you just, like, yeah. die? Oh, sure. A I, lot of people try to bring up, like, they're like, Trump, do something with Trump. And it's just a little awkward. <laughs> well, how do you respond to stuff like that? I mean, how how far to the edge do you go? How far do you push it? If we if that's the only thing someone's throwing at us, then we, I mean, we don't want to, like you know, just deny it. But we'll try to take it and, like, go somewhere else with it. Maybe not trump the person, but, like, trump the actual word. And then just, like, you know, go around that. So people are just like, hey, but hey, you know. So I'm curious, why wouldn't you go to trump the person? Because people are automatically going to assume we're just going to, you know, crap all over the person and then just make it about him. There's only so much you can really expand with that. Yeah, I think it's hard to improvise satire, or something that has a target and that you can, you know, even impressions or something, right? Like we would probably leave that to people that are stand-up comedians that are crafting jokes and writing jokes and maybe have a edge to them or a point or, or something to satirize. So, so like impressions aren't a thing that we improvise well because people that are good at impressions practice it and they're really great at it and it's art form. It's an art form in and of itself. So, I tend to stay away from like. Uh, like things where it's like improvise this satire uh, because that's really hard. I'd, I'd rather watch a team of people write a really good sketch uh, or a stand-up comedian do a really good bit on something like that. Are there any like subjects that you just won't touch or any edges that you won't go past? I tell my students that there are no bad suggestions. There are some that maybe, like Becca said, kind of hit you in the gut for a second and you have a moment of, all right, what are we going to do with this? But uh, at the end of the day, one of those things that, that people watching improv don't know that they want but they end up loving is people that are really confident in their own choices and comfortable in their own skin right in the face of fear. And I've gotten suggestions of things that I've never, like words I've never heard of before or so there's always some smart aleck in the audience maybe that's going to shout out something that might be hard to play. But I think the, the most confident improvisers are going to, dive right into that, take ownership of it, make it their own interpretation. What does that mean to me? What does that mean to our team? How can we make it our own? Uh, Then you can do whatever you want with it. And then there are no subjects you can't touch. So that makes me want to ask, Melanie, you raised your hand at one point when you were talking about a moment that you were just confronted with something that you had to blank, but it sounds like you lean into the moment. Oh, yeah. I just want to know then what that is, that moment that you did feel hit in the gut or that you were stuck in blank. Oh, I'll give you a clear-cut example. Several (laughs) years ago, I was on a team called Magic Ratio. We got a suggestion of the word fiduciary. Never heard that word in my life. (laughs) Most of us had no idea what it meant. I learned now because Google... (laughs) <laughs> we had a split second of, okay, we, we're going to do this. And we made it about rich, fancy people. And 
that kind of relates to what the word means, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because the team will interpret what suggestion they're given. They'll follow each other. They'll say yes to each other, and it's going to be fine. It ended up being a fun show. Becca, do you have an example of a word that like just made you go, what? <laughs> I thought you were just about to ask me what that word meant. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> See? <laughs> Stumping. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Um, so what would you do if somebody handed you that word? Uh, yeah, just kind of rely on my team because mm-hmm. I trust my team and I've been with them long enough to know that, you know, if there's something that we don't know, we're not going to really let the audience know that. So. And if they do know that you don't know that, that's also fine. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. if they see a group of people taking care of each other and saying yes to each other, the audience is going to love it, whether they realize it ahead of time or not. Mm-hmm. How do you establish, like, this level of trust among all these people or 10 at a time? Like, do you do that fall back and close your <laughs> eyes type thing? I mean, how do you, how do, you um, do that? When I was in level one, Kevin was my instructor. And we all did the, uh, what is it called? The... Um, Vulnerability the circle? The vulnerability circle, <laughs> where we all Sounds get in a terrifying. circle, yeah. and we just all kind of like, you know, go around in a circle and tell people like deep, dark secrets, and it's just like a good way to like get it all out of the way. Like, hey, we all trust each other now, mm-hmm. let's make good scenes. Yeah. And another way that trust is built over time so that a team can get a suggestion and do whatever they want with it is that teams practice and practice and practice. Just like to make another sports analogy, sports teams practice, they run scrimmages, they isolate muscles in specific exercises, and they have bad, I was about to say shows, games and good games. And teams practice together, share a lot of experiences together, and build really good rapports and relationships with each other. And that's how trust is built over time. So then what's next? What's next for Improv Shop? What are you guys doing in the future? And what are your goals? So yeah, we just bought a building in the Grove. So we've been leasing space for three years. And then before that, we had been uh, squatting, uh, I guess, uh, at other people's places and putting up shows. So we saved up our money and uh, as a community and bought our own building in the Grove that has... Two stages, three bars right now, kitchen, a patio that we hope will hopefully let people hang out and build that community even more and then also provide more opportunities for shows. Okay. Can we do one more quick round of um, audience suggestion? Sure. Okay. <laughs> God bless you, Nancy. In mind. <laughs> Free show for Nance. Well, that's right. <laughs> I don't go to you. You come to me. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's awesome. So what other, what other kind of a thing can we suggest? Yeah, anything at all. Uh, we have a dog with a guilty look on his face and a rope, piece of a roast hanging out of his mouth. Wow. And the pet parent comes in and says, Okay, and we'll pick it up from there. <laughs> we'll there. That's a great start. Dad, I'm sorry. Uh, what is it? A spotty? Oh my! Oh my! I'm oh my! Sorry. Is that is that? Yeah. Roast? Yeah. Did you get into my roast? Yeah. Spotty, come here. Jump on my lap. <laughs> All right, sorry. calm down. You're hyperventilating. I just, I just calm, got so hungry. Spotty, calm down. Calm down. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call your mother in. Susie Q. Yeah. Susie yeah. Q, look what your your pup has done here. Oh goddamn here. it. <laughs> Susie Q, you know, listen, if I'm going to keep you both as dogs, we need to have some manners, don't you think? Yeah. Oh, you got to let me out more. 
Okay. Well, listen, I do what I can. I'm a wild beast, Dad. I, well, you're not going to be wild in this house, Spotty. Why did you let him out? Susie, I let him out at noon. You're supposed to let him out at 1030. I've got these instincts inside of me that are dying to come out. Yeah, I know. Listen, we're domesticating you. There's it's a rabbit out the window. And Spotty, you're going to need to. can't stop looking at it. Susie. Dad. Instincts. You used to be like this, and st- you know your mother used to be like this, and then she learned to be domesticated. I'm not ready to be domesticated, Dad. Uh, I need to be free. Well, that's no, you not- don't. Yeah, exactly. No. Yeah, exactly. You don't need. To, you don't. You you will learn. You will learn. You, sit. Car. No, God bless yeah. America. Oh yeah. Uh, Susie, I'm going to recommend I, that we Dad. neuter Spot. What? I think it's time. Wait, what? Backtrack. What? And scene. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that one. <laughs> that was a quick dramatic act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. When in doubt, neuter somebody. That's right. Poor Spot always <laughs> gets the raw deal. Okay. All I can't right. not play an animal if there's an animal in the scene. I, I gotta be. And I apparently can't not play a, a father <laughs> ready to teach yeah. a lesson from the 1950s or something. All right. Well, thank you all. Yeah, thank thanks you. so much. Yeah, yeah, thank you. All right. And <laughs> Well, that was a trip. That was actually <laughs> hilarious. Yes. I never really expected to be that entertained by an improv show, especially not one that we recorded here in a studio at St. Louis Public Radio. Right. And I just can only imagine, I can't imagine doing what they just did. I mean, I felt like, I would feel like I was at a job interview or something and like, all right, be perfect. Yeah. And (laughs) And spontaneous. And instead they're just like, totally go with it, do the whole yes and bit. And it was fantastic. Uh, Yeah. Wow. So that was Kevin McKernan and Becca Brooks and Melanie Penn. And they're actually just this fantastic group of people from the Improv Shop, which is a place where you can go see Improv Theater here in St. Louis. This is Cut and Paste Arts and Culture Podcast, produced by Willis Ryder Arnold. And Nancy Fowler. With a little help from our editor, David Casares. And our producer, Stephanie Lecce. The music you've heard throughout the episode was produced by local producer, Trifecta. You can find Cut and Paste at stlpublicradio.org or wherever you get your podcasts. St. Louis Public Radio's podcast series, Cut and Paste, is made possible by space, architects, designers, and builders, creating St. Louis's favorite spaces. 